0: Chapter fourteen of the Actress in High Life an episode in Winter Quarters by Sue Pettigrew Bowen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain CHAPTER fourteen It snowed in his house of meat and drink, of all dainties that men could have think, after the sundry seasons of the year so changed lie his meat and soup. Full many a fat patriarch had he in mew, and many a brem, and many a loose in stew woe was his cook but if his sauce were poignant and sharp and ready all his jeer his table dormant in his hall alway stood ready covered all the long day prologue to canterbury tales three days had gone by since the return of the party from evra the ladies had gotten over their fatigue talked over their travels and wondered at seeing nothing of l he had merely sent to inquire after their health instead of coming himself as in duty bound lady mabel had confidently looked for him the first day asked about him the next and on the third feeling hurt at this continued neglect concluded that she had had enough of his company of late and it did not matter should she not see him for a month meanwhile what was l isle doing he was busy reforming himself and his regiment on his return to elvas he had met with several little indications of relaxed discipline and somewhat suddenly remembered that he had not come out to portugal to ride about the country escorting young ladies in search of botanical specimens picturesque scenes and fragments of antiquity he the most punctilious of martinettes had been sadly neglecting his duties and had used the invalid's plea until it was worn threadbare long ago he was dissatisfied with himself and of course more dissatisfied with other people from the day he came back he was constantly in the midst of his regiment he showed himself too at the head of the mess-table at every meal taking that as well as other opportunities to inculcate rigid precept and sound doctrine on military matters and lecture his officers on the subject of discipline nor did he confine himself to generalities he was exacting with his major hard on his adjutant he gave captain a to understand that the days and nights spent in the mountains in pursuit of his game tended little to promote the king's service and that leave would be refused in future and he suggested to captain b that the best way to ascertain the state of his company was not to send for his orderly sergeant but to inspect it himself he spoiled more than one party of pleasure for some of these gentlemen by finding very inopportunely something else for them to do than following the ladies of elvas and other game of the vicinage many of the officers grumbled and voted the colonel a bore they even talked of sending him to coventry but adjutant meynell excused him by whispering it about that the colonel had just met with a rude rebuff from a certain person at headquarters and as the rank and sex of the offender hindered his showing his resentment in that direction on whom could he vent his ill-humour but on those under his command meynell advised that they should all unite in sending a round robin to lady mabel begging her to smile upon their colonel and put him in an amiable mood with the little festive skirmishes of almost daily occurrence at headquarters lord strathern loved to mingle occasionally more serious affairs in the shape of grander feasts and on the fourth day after lady mabel's return the guests assembled in force among them were three ladies of elvas who had established a social intercourse with lady mabel and a greater though less ostensible intimacy with some gentlemen of the brigade Dinner company is a phase of social life almost unknown in Portugal, and Lady Mabel, aware of this, was needlessly anxious to put her female guests at their ease. Her smattering of their tongue proved inadequate, and even her Spanish but poorly served the purposes of conversation. Dona Carlota Sicchiara, indeed, despising the peninsular tongues, would speak only French, but such French! She had picked up most of it among the Kellerman's officers when he held Elvas with a French garrison in 1808. This lady, like some other renegade Portuguese, at that time assiduously courted the goal, and she was anxious now to wipe out this blot, in the eyes of her countrymen, by making much of their British allies. Lady Mabel, tired of her efforts to converse with the other ladies, and sick of Dona Carlotta's French-after the school of Stratford at Bow, for French of Paris was to her unknown-longed to see herself appointed dragoman enter the room isle had ridden out in the morning to a place on the borders equidistant between elvas and badajoz the scene of a serious outrage by a party of marauders two nights before a peasant guilty of being richer than his neighbors had been punished by having his house forced his head broken his premises sacked and his family ill-treated though there had been but little blood shed there had been much wine spilt besides several plump goatskins carried off with the rest of the plunder the english in elvis laid this achievement at the door of the irregular spanish force at badajoz the spanish officers were quite assured that it was the exploit of volunteer foragers from the english cantonments isle seeing nobody disposed to inquire into the matter went and made an examination on the spot which inclined him to believe that the spanish version was the true history of this little military operation after a hot ride he returned in time to make his bow to lady mabel among the latest of her guests Mrs. Shortridge was very glad to see him, but reproached him with his late neglect of his friends, and turned toward Lady Mabel expecting her concurrence on this censure. But, my lady said, with sublime indifference, "'What matters Colonel Lille's absence hitherto, since he has now come in time to interpret between us and our Portuguese friends?' "'I have exhausted my stock of Portuguese,' she continued addressing Lille, "'and find that they do not always comprehend my Spanish.' major warren indeed has been lending me his aid but i think the interpreter the harder to be understood of the two is it not strange these ladies do not understand me better for their language is but bad spanish and mine is surely bad enough do not say that to the portuguese said l they will be justly offended for their tongue is rather the elder sister of the spanish than a corruption of it pray lend me your tongue colonel l said mrs shortridge here dona carlota Siciera has been jabbering at me in what i now find out to be french but i am ashamed to say i do not know thirty words of the language better to be ignorant of it said l with a sneer than learn it as dona carlota did i know not how she acquired it said mrs shortridge but i am told that here on the continent every educated person speaks french we english are far behind them in that be proud rather than ashamed of that said Lille monsieur has taught all europe his language except ourselves flagellation is a necessary part of schooling as he has never been able to thrash us we are the worst french scholars in europe and those he has thrashed oftenest are the best they should blush at their knowledge we plume ourselves on our ignorance thank god you have an english tongue in your head and never mar better language with a gallic phrase there is in every country a class who are prone to denationalize themselves at this day they generally ape the frenchman now i can tolerate a genuine frenchman without having any great liking for him but if there is any one whom i feel at liberty to despise and distrust it is a german spaniard or englishman who is trying to frenchify himself such people are much akin to the self-styled citizen of the world who professes to have rid himself of all local and national prejudice i have usually met no prejudice and no principle walking hand in hand together the french he continued have the impudence to call theirs the universal language and in diplomacy and war they have been long too much encouraged in this my lord wellington here is much to blame in giving way to their pretensions on this point whenever i have an independent command said l laughing i will not let a frenchman capitulate but in good english or for want of it in some other language than his own i have already put that in practice in a small way said he as he handed mrs shortridge down to dinner i once waylaid a foraging Anglise a plundering party returning laden to merida they showed fight but we soon templed them into a barranca where we had them quite in our power but i would not listen to a word of their french or let them surrender until they found a renegade spaniard to act as interpreter when i want anything of them i may speak french but when they want anything of me they must ask it in another tongue The dinner went off as large dinners usually do the wrong parties got seated together and suitable companions were separated by half the length of the board lady mabel had colonel bradshaw whom she did not want close at hand and her dragoman was out of hearing which she felt to be not only inconvenient but a grievance for without entertaining any definite designs upon him habit had already given her a sort of property in him and a right to his services but the Elvis ladies had no such ground of complaint each had her favorite by her side and Doña carlotta one on either hand it was a relief to lady mabel when the time came to lead the ladies back to her drawing-room there she labored to entertain them until some of the gentlemen found leisure to come to her aid she expected to see lill among the first but one after another came in without him the portuguese ladies were taken off her hands by their more intimate male friends and she had leisure to wonder what could keep l downstairs so long and to get out of humor at his sticking to the bottle and neglecting better company for it meanwhile a great controversy was waging below the more the disputants drank the more strenuously they discussed the point at issue and the more they exhausted themselves in arguments the oftener they refreshed themselves by drinking swallowing many a glass unconsciously in the heat of the debate the farmer talks of seasons and his crops the merchant of traffic and his gains and the soldier though less narrow in his range of topics often dwells on the incidents and characteristics of military life in answer to some very loose notions on the subject of discipline Lill mounted his hobby and said that he had pretty much come into the mechanical theory on military matters an army is a machine the men composing it parts of that machine and the more their personal and individual characters are obliterated by assimilating them to the nature of precise and definite parts of one complicated organization the better will they serve their purpose now a machine should be kept always in perfect order and readiness for instant application to the purpose of its construction an army is a machine contrived for fighting battles and if at any time it is not in condition to fight to the best advantage it is in a state of deterioration and partial disorganization troops therefore should be kept at all times and under all circumstances under the same rigid discipline and in the full exercise of their functions equally ready at all seasons for action lord strathern took up the cudgels and maintained that though an army might be called a machine its component parts were men who necessarily had some perception of the contingencies and emergencies incident to military life and that great as were sacrifices they might make and the restrictions they might bear with when there was obvious necessity for them should the same exacting course be pursued as a system it would only break their spirits freeze their zeal and disgust them with the service we have seen enough of your mechanical armies drilled and regulated to perfection as soulless mechanism we have seen how on the dislocation of this machine the parts become useless and helpless without resource in themselves in short it is the prussian and austrian system which has given half europe to the french no if the bow need unbending still more does the soldier need relaxation to give vigor and elasticity to body and mind a little ease and pleasure checkering his career only beget desire and the motives for new adventure and fresh exertions how is it with our horses exclaimed his lordship who was a jockey of the old school do we not give them a run at grass to refresh their constitutions and renew their youth but l unshaken maintained his opinion with such materials as make up a large part of our army for his majesty gets the services of many a fellow who can be put to no good use at home your lordship's relaxation system would only tend to sap its moral and physical strength and make it a curse to the country in which it is quartered whether at home or abroad it would have been well had the discussion stopped here in the heat of the debate each pushed his argument beyond his own convictions colonel bradshaw sat sipping his wine listening with mock gravity and seeming to oscillate between the opinions of the disputants but most of the company agreed with lord strathern still l found several staunch backers for his mechanical theory but when quoting facts in support of his views he referred to the conduct of their own men on sundry late occasions and stated the result of the inquiries he that morning had made into the last outrage he brought the whole company down upon him they were all sure that the english soldiers had nothing to do with it his lordship professed to detect not only in the act itself but in the modus operandi infallible marks that fathered it on the spaniard the quiet stealthy manner the place just on the border yet out of spain besides he urged you yourself say that the few words the marauders were heard to utter were all spanish but the same testimony proves them to have been bad spanish even to the ears of a portuguese borderer and evidently used by foreigners for the purpose of disguise like the dresses they wore who ever heard of a spaniard breaking a man's head when he could give him the blade of his knife the farmer's bloody crown was a plain piece of english handicraft spaniards would have rummaged the house for la plata and have snatched the earrings from the women's ears the robbers a more thirsty race thought chiefly of carrying off the liquor The number and loud voices of those opposed to him only made Lille more stubborn in maintaining his views. He seemed rather to like being in a minority of one. On the other hand, Lord Strathern construed his remarks into an undisguised censure of his lax discipline. Luckily, he was a truly hospitable man. Nowhere but at his own board could he have kept his temper under control. Between the fumes of wine and smoke of cigars the matter only became more and more cloudy. It was late when Lill left the table and entered the drawing-room with a brow still ruffled by the controversy. Striving to resume his equanimity, he took a seat by Lady Mabel. But she, by no means pleased at the long absence of her interpreter and his late neglect in attending on her, pushed her chair back and said something about falling into bad habits. Do you think so? said Lil, looking surprised, then reflecting a moment why lady mabel i am not aware of having committed any excess at least of the kind you suspect why then do you come from below so much heated and excited i have been engaged in a hot argument with my lord and others coolness would be more appropriate to argument than heat but this was plainly an after-dinner discussion the subject should be handled a second time in imitation of those wise barbarians who resolved on nothing until they had twice taken counsel "'once of their cups, and then of cool sobriety the morning after. "'I feel no need of appealing to the cool reflecting morning hours. "'Of course you do not feel it now. "'That too will come with the sober morning.' "'Lil, a good deal nettled, was about to reply when she exclaimed, "'Why, you have been smoking.' "'No, I have only been smoked.' "'That is just as unpleasant,' she said, pushing her chair farther off. "'The Portuguese snuff-taking is offensive enough.' but this spanish habit of smoking perpetually is intolerable wherever our officers go they pick up the small vices of the country without abandoning any of their own here they add smoking to their native wine bibing propensities they spoil a man utterly not utterly said l there is warren now a capital fellow a delightful companion and an inveterate smoker for that i cannot abide him said lady mabel out of humor with everybody there is your friend colonel bradshaw who sets no little store by his wine and cigar he is intolerable with them and would be a bore without them but my lord himself smokes will you not tolerate him he is an old man a general officer and my father said lady mabel after a life of hard service in the worst climates in the world he may need indulgences not necessary to younger men besides he is obliged to see so much of his officers if he could choose his companions he would lead a very different life when we happen to be alone here continued lady mabel he never sits long after dinner seldom touches a cigar and it is evidently only his position and the habits forced upon him in a long military career which interfere with his quiet tastes and love of domestic life l looked at lady mabel to see if she was in earnest she had only said what she willingly believed on rather slight foundations in truth the novelty of having his daughter with him on the few occasions on which they were here left alone together had proved of quite sufficient interest to enable lord strathern to dispense with other society and excitements and led him to look back and speak much of his short married life and far beyond that the days of his boyhood l found himself convicted of contributing with others to mar the comfort and spoil the habits of the most abstemious and domestic old gentleman in the king's service this was plainly a point on which it was not safe to contradict lady mabel if he would keep in her good graces so he gladly waived the discussion mrs shortridge under the reviving influence of her love of sight-seeing now asked l to suggest some excursion for them on which they might see something new but she begged that it might be within a reasonable distance for she had been so thoroughly shaken on the rough paths to and from evera that she was not yet up to another long ride Cranfield has just been talking of Fort La Lippe," said Lill, "which overlooks us from the north. Let us make a party to visit it tomorrow. Cranfield can entertain and instruct us by discoursing on this masterpiece of the Count de Lippe and unveil the mysteries of the engineer's art. In the intervals, we can, from that high point, survey the country around us. Cranfield eagerly seconded the proposal anything that looked like diversion was welcome to the ladies and the idlers about them and lady mabel somewhat mollified condescended to approve of it accordingly the next morning she met by appointment mrs shortridge and the three portuguese ladies at the foot of the long flight of steps that lead up to the cathedral of elbus they were accompanied by lille cranfield and half a dozen gentlemen more including the young surgeon of the blank regiment who was always imagining that lady mabel had a cold headache or some other little ailment that he might have the pleasure of prescribing for it irreverently turning their backs on the old church without one prayer to the saints within or those depicted on its windows of stained glass they walked out of town down into the narrow valley lying north of the city and crossing the brook which runs at the bottom the portuguese making a river of it have christened it the Seto on the few stepping-stones which well supplied the place of a footbridge, they toiled up the opposite hill the lower part of which is covered with a grove of prickly oaks on reaching the gate captain cranfield stepped forward to the head of the party and entered zealously on his duties as ciceroni he led them through the spacious barracks in which the scanty garrison seemed buried in monastic seclusion through the huge storehouses and bomb-proof kitchens and bakeries showed them the vast tank containing water of a full garrison for a year and what was better a natural spring welling out mysteriously within the circuit of the works from the ramparts of this huge coronet that crowned the head of this eminence he pointed out the strength of the position the efficiency of the works and their importance to the safety of Elvis. from this stronghold with the works of the city and fort st lucia on the other side of it lying before them cranfield discoursed at length on his art dealing largely in its technical terms bastions and curtains covered ways scarps and counterscarps with ravelins thrown out in front of them until mrs shortridge who listened with open-mouthed admiration got so confused that she imagined that a ravelin was some kind of missile to be hurled at the french Dona Carlotta and other Portuguese ladies were not so attentive, not understanding the language of the lecturer and feeling less interest in the defence of their country than in the attentions of the foreign officers who were devoting themselves to their special service. but Lady Mabel, who prided herself on being a soldier's daughter, lent a willing ear to Cranfield, asked many questions, and even contrived to understand much that he had to say. Lisle now thought that the engineer had held the first place in Lady Mabel's attention long enough so he broke in upon his eulogy on this inland gibraltar the masterpiece of au grand conde de lippe the whole thing is certainly grand and complete in itself said he looking around and is a monument to the engineering talents of the count de Lipe. but after all constructing a great fortress in portugal is like building a ducal palace on a dairy farm the thing may be very fine in itself but is altogether out of place half a dozen such strongholds as Elvis with its forts would swallow up the portuguese army yet be but half garrisoned and leave not a man to take the field see the extent of the works between this and st lucia that other sentinels standing guard over Elvis on the south it would need twelve thousand men to garrison the city and the forts i never heard that this fortress was of use to any but the french who got it without fighting and the possession of it helped to obtain the convention of Sintra, but for which we would have tumbled juno and his fellows into the tagus the count de lipa was wonderfully successful in regenerating the army and restoring the military character of portugal in the last century but his countryman schumberg in the century before showed how portugal could be better defended and we have now in the country one who understands it better than the duke de schumberg himself there was so much truth in what l said that cranfield was obliged to yield up his impregnable fortress as a very fine thing in itself but quite out of place i gather from your remarks said lady mabel that portugal has often had a foreigner at the head of its army very often indeed answered l this same kingdom which in spite of its narrow territory and small population had through the enterprise of its rulers and the energy of the people extended its conquests in the east and the west which in the sixteenth century had thirty-two foreign kingdoms and four hundred and thirty garrison towns tributary to it has now so much degenerated in its institutions that for two centuries it has never been able to defend itself or even make a decent showing in the field but by foreign aid and under a foreign leader the duke of Schumberg, archduke charles the count de lippe the prince of Waldeck, and other germans have in turn led the army and each had to reorganize it and revive its discipline now they rely on beresford to train them for battle and wellington to lead them to victory the count de lipa found the military characters so sunk that officers were often seen waiting at the tables of their colonels and the sense of individual honor was so lost that one of his first reforms was to insist on his officers fighting when insulted if they would not be cashiered the former greatness of portugal said lady mabel is even more wonderful than its present decay yet that is lamentable indeed when the government without striking a blow could run away from the country on the approach of the invader that might have been called an act of deliberate wisdom said l had it not been stamped with feebleness and cowardice in the execution resistance was hopeless against france united with spain its tool and soon to be its victim yielding to the storm left the invaders without apology for the plunder and atrocities the french have since perpetrated on the people nor was it a sudden thought as long ago as the beginning of the last century a portuguese secretary of state seeing the defenceless condition of his country urged that the king should be removed to brazil and fix his court at rio janeiro he points out the dependent state of his country in europe and asks what is portugal a corner of land divided into three parts one barren one belonging to the church and the other part not even producing grain enough for the inhabitants look now at brazil and see what is wanting the soil is rich the climate delightful the territory boundless and the city would soon become more flourishing than lisbon here he might extend his commerce make discoveries in the interior and take the title of emperor of the west in truth the behavior of the house of braganza in this migration contrasts well with the infamous conduct of the spanish bourbons they had strolled on to the foot of a tower within the fort and cranfield led the party to the top to survey the panorama around them The horizon was pretty equally divided between portugal and spain on the north close at hand rose the rugged serra de portalegre famous for its chestnut forests to the west was the fertile plain of eastern alamtejo crossed by the enormous pile of the aqueduct and backed by the heights of serra to the south and east the valley of the guadiana lay before them with few marks of culture on the spanish side and the eye could range over the sheep pastured plains of Estremadura to the misty sides and blue tops of the Sierras that shut them in on either hand. In the east, nine miles off, by the straight path the vulture makes, rose Badajoz, capped by its castle and overlooked by Fort San Cristoval on a high hill across the river. The fame of its sieges during this war, its stubborn defence and bloody fall within the year, drew the eyes of the ladies on it. L'Isle pulled out a field glass to aid them in inspecting it when the portuguese ladies got hold of it they were as much delighted as children with a new toy snatching it out of each other's hands without allowing time for its deliberate use and protesting against their spanish neighbors being brought so near to them if they are so delighted at the powers of this little thing said l what would they think of the glass lord wellington had put up in this tower during the siege of badajoz were its powers so great mrs shortridge asked wonderful according to rumor answered l but i never had time to come from the trenches to prove them it is said to have brought badajoz so near that you saw how the french soldiers made their soup and even smelled the garlic they put into it once when my lord saw philippon leaning against the parapet of the castle sneering at the besieger's clumsy approaches he so far forgot himself as to call for his holsters that he might pistol the contemptuous frenchman on the spot did he indeed exclaimed mrs Shortridge then laughing at herself for being quizzed for the moment begged l to tell this to the portuguese ladies and see if they would not believe it meanwhile lady mabel was gazing thoughtfully over the winding valley which running toward them from the east turned abruptly to the south indicating the course of the guadiana and on the wide plains of estramadura baja or the lower to the blue sierras that walled it around this then is spain said she the land i have read of dreamed of and for the last four years thought of more even than of my own and yet said l you calling yourself a traveller have been for months within sight of it and have never set your foot on spanish ground i blush to own it but you my self-appointed guide should blush too at never having led me thither come mrs shortridge these soldiers are too slow for us let us take horse to-morrow and make an inroad into spain willingly said mrs shortridge but let us take a strong party with us we do not know how we might be received should the spaniards mistake us for portuguese if a visit to badajoz is your object said cranfield i offer myself as a guide as i have been lately engaged in repairing its shattered walls i may be useful in showing you how to get in knowing too some of the spanish officers there i may in a parley induce them to come to terms they now descended from the tower, and on leaving the fort, Lady Mabel led the party to headquarters to take their luncheon there, while they planned their measure for tomorrow's expedition to Badajoz. End of CHAPTER fourteen